Hey everyone, it's Simon here. Hope you're doing well wherever and whenever you are. We had a very special service on Sunday. It was our Missions Vision Sunday. Uh, we presented a report on all that we've done in missions the last year and also presented our seven major missions projects for 2024. Now, I can't recap them all here because there's videos involved and it's kind of hard to translate the podcast, but I will encourage you to do something, to go to our website and visit everyonechurch.com.au forward slash missions or under the Get Involved tab, you'll find little link to missions and on there you'll see important information about all of our seven major projects you know this year we are feeding hungry children in uganda we are doing medical screenings for children in vietnam we're building homes for widows in burundi we're doing eye surgeries for the poor in india we're providing a water well in cambodia we're providing food boxes to local families in need and we are doing local outreaches at easter and christmas this is awesome awesome stuff so i encourage you to check out that website now how do we do that how does a uh relatively small church planting type church uh, in southwest sydney have such a awesome global impact well we do it with a missions faith commitment uh we handed out on sunday a my mission card to everybody in our church and we ask every member of our church to prayerfully consider what they could give to missions this year and make a commitment in faith. And from that commitment amount, we budget for missions for the year. Okay. And you can find out all about the My Mission card at everyonechurch.com.au forward slash my mission. Well, you can find all those links on our website. I encourage you to check them out and get involved. You know, as we report on all of our missions projects throughout the year, come on. You want to be able to say you were part of that. And for us, it's not so much the amount. It's more that every person in our church gets involved in some way. You know, for $6, you can feed a refugee child in Uganda for a whole month. Think about that, because some of you spent more than $6 on your morning coffee today. Okay? So... We want to make a difference. We want to bring Jesus to everyone everywhere, and it doesn't take a whole lot to make a difference, but it does take a whole lot of people uniting together for the cause of Christ. Amen? Another thing that happened on Sunday is we had special guests, Pastor Dan and Reagan Broder from Phoenix, Arizona. Maria and I have known Dan and Reagan for about eight years, and we visited them twice in Phoenix. One time we went there to speak at their youth summer camp, which was exciting. They have an, uh, just amazing, beautiful church over there uh, that is largely an outreach to young people called The Refuge. Uh, they reach out to literally hundreds of, of unchurched youth, and they have for like over 20 years. So this is like a, a couple who is grassroots and in the trenches and our, our kind of people, right? We love it. As uh, Maria and I, as church planners, we love these type of people who are giving their life for the cause of Christ. So it was great to have him share with us for a few minutes. In fact, I recorded it and we can listen to it right now in our, in our podcast. But to start with, Dan began to explain a bit about who he and Reagan are. Well, first of all, he bragged on Maria and I, but we don't need that in here, okay? We just want to get right to the point. So here is Dan talking a bit about him and also encouraging us around missions. Come on. Uh, so Reagan and I have actually uh, been together since we were 12. So just to kind of give you a chance to know us a little bit. Um, we've known each other since we were 12. We have three children and two grandchildren, believe it or not. And uh, we're very uh, involved in their lives. In fact, all of them right now are living in our home. 
And so, because uh, the economy over there is just as difficult. So um, we're all having a good time. About uh, 2009, Reagan and I had been, we've been pastors, our youth pastors for about nine years at a church in Scottsdale, Arizona. And God called us to step away and do nothing but youth ministry. So we actually built, we actually started a youth ministry called The Refuge to unchurched teenagers. And God, we were completely on our own. We had two other couples that went with us. We had no support. And uh, within a couple of weeks, God provided a massive warehouse. If I say things that don't make sense to you, I apologize. I know you guys measure square footage differently. So I don't know what 25,000 square feet is, but it's a large warehouse that we were able to get a hold of. God really blessed us with it. And uh, we put an indoor skate park and basketball and weights and uh, automotive shops. And I mean, basically anything that kids like to do. We provided it for them for free, and we ran a program that allowed them to get involved and as well as introduce them to Jesus Christ. And we're, So we were really doing it. I mean, we were absolutely loving it, and God was paying the bills every single month. I mean, every month, we would pay our bills, and we never once ever had to pay a bill late, and we would pay our bills, and there would be no money left in the bank. I, I had board members come and go because they couldn't handle stress. They were like, how in the heck is this happening? We're paying our bills, and then it's red. Are we ever going to be in the black? And in 2016, we met an Australian who uh, came over and, and said, hey, uh, he was an American who became an Australian. And he came over and he said, uh, hey, what do you think about, um, instead of just being a mission field, becoming a missions force? I said, what are you talking about? And this is uh, Simon's pastor who said, look, you're, you're an American church, but you don't have to always just think that you need the help. You can give the help. And I was like, uh, we barely pay our bills. And so this, this little process for us became a very real kind of existential crisis. I mean, really radically, like, uh, it rocked our world because it was like, why do we exist, right? Like, he's challenging us to the idea that we don't have to just think, well, I got to go out and raise money for us. I've got to go out and figure, we're American church, right? And Americans are super arrogant, <laughs> like, I don't, want, I don't want to be asking for help. Like, we could do whatever we want, you know? And, uh, and, and at that point, we really got to done some pretty radical things. We were running, uh, 100, we had 150 kids. When you think about 150 teenagers when no parents are bringing them to church, 150 kids riding their scooters and their bikes and walking through the desert to come to, to come to church is pretty kind of a radical thing. And in the U.S., we have massive issues. We're, these are at-risk kids raised in broken homes, struggling with drug addiction. And right now in the U.S., the, the number one cause of death for boys ages 17 to 34 is overdose. That's the number one cause of death. I mean, it's, it's a crisis. So we felt like, hey, God called us to this. This is what we're called to do. And... There was a real challenge. So we came here in 2016 because God asked us to be willing to hear. Are you willing to hear me? Are you willing to believe that I can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you could ever ask and think? And when we came out here, we were really challenged. Like, wait a minute. Like, I understand we're reaching local people, and this is what we're doing. But what about the rest of the world? Jesus died for the world. So you, I know we crack jokes all the time, like Americans are really self-centered, right? I mean, the Super Bowl, we're the best football player, like the world champions, and it's just the U.S., you know? And um, so that actually kind of does kind of penetrate into the church in the sense of like, we read the gospels almost like 
that God gave the gospels to America. You know, like when you remind somebody that Jesus was from the Middle East, they're like, what? You know, like, are you serious? You know, but that's kind of how it is because it's like, well, no, we don't think beyond our walls. We don't think beyond our borders. So it's like, wait a minute, Jesus, the gospel, every verse you read, he sent that to everyone everywhere. For God so loved the world, he sent his son to the world, not just to America. And I was, we were really challenged. Like, what are we doing to reach the rest of the world? Like, and we live in a country that's 64% Christian, right? And when we were kids, it was 75% Christian. So like, whatever we're doing is not working. You know, like, we're not reaching out. How is it that the seven out of 10 of us at a time were believers in Jesus Christ and we couldn't convince the three? Somehow now it's six out of 10, you know? And it was because we were so self-centered. And so we kind of began this thing. Why do we exist? Back then, I would have said we exist to make manifest the glory of God. That's what I would have just said that. But the question really becomes, to what end? To what end, for what cause, and for whose benefit? Why do we exist? To what end, for what cause, and for whose benefit? Is it my benefit? Is, or is it for his benefit? Because I began to realize somehow... And in some way, we began to believe that Jesus died to give me a better life. That, that was his objective at the cross. But in truth, he died to give me eternal life. This is, a, this is an incredibly clear distinction, right? This is what kind of changed our lives forever. Because I was like, oh, Jesus died to give me a better life. If he died to give me a better life, then everything must be seen through that lens. Every prayer prayed to that end, everything judged by that outcome, better, better, which ironically better is like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. And who do we think the beholder is? Us, right? When I'm praying, when I'm seeking God, when I'm looking for things, I'm like, I'm the one that defines, well, that's better. I'm terrified of letting God define what's better, right? So don't get me wrong. I mean, hear me when I say this, because it's super important. When you are born again, and the spirit of Christ Jesus begins to be formed in you. Your life is gonna get better. You start forgiving people, turning the other cheek, being full of love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and having self-control. Your life is gonna get better. But that's supposed to be a byproduct. That, it's like signs and wonders. It's supposed to follow us. It's not supposed to be set before us. Right? Those who seek their lives will lose it. Yet, the reality is, is so many times we're coming to church to gain life, to better life. Right? That's kind of like, it's ingrained in us, but Jesus died to give us eternal life. That's his objective, that all would be saved. Not that I would have a better life. The gospel, the good news, is not that Jesus, the author of all that exists, the one who created everything you see out of nothing, became a man to die a death he did not deserve by the creatures he created so that they and the short life that they have on this earth would be better. It seems silly to think that he would become sin, endure all the wrath that his father had to pour out to the point of being forsaken by him so that he could improve a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Why would God send his son to improve what he calls a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. No, his goal is so much bigger and better than that. 
He died to give us eternal life, and it became a very real existential crisis for us. And when we were here that year, I remember praying, because our testimony, how God led us to the ministry that we have, is a radical one through prophecy, through provision. I mean, ways in which it would have been rebellion not to do the ministry that we do because you'd have been like, what are you, an idiot? Like God's literally sending you people and you're different parts of the country and God's sending people at restaurants to tell you that you're supposed to do this. I mean, it was crazy. So I was like, God, this is what you called us to do. And God said, if you make my kingdom a priority, I will take care. And the, the youth center is called the refuge. I will take care of the refuge. And we agreed. Right Now listen, his objectives are that none should perish. Our objectives are good, and, 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 and they, they're honorable. But more importantly, we're called right to know him and to be known by him. And if we know him, we would know what he's about. And what he is about is seeking and saving the lost. The question for us became, if I could do a better job reaching the lost, why would I not? That became the question for us. I mean, it was like right in front of our face. If you can do exactly what you're doing right now back in Phoenix for that youth center and see more people get saved everywhere else in the world, why would you not do it? And so we signed up. Matthew 28, we said, let's make his last command our first priority. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Of all nations, both here and there for everyone, everywhere. We serve locally, we serve locally, and we send globally. That's, that is literally our heart. We are a local church with a global vision. And it's, 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 it's vital. I'm going to do something. This is going to show you how technically savvy I am. I have a drawing for you. Now, it's an impressive drawing, but I'm going to show it to you anyways. I'm an unbelievable artist. All right? It's my pie chart. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. Now, listen, this is why I do this because I, it's simple for me. And I, it's funny because I'm a dreamer, but God speaks to me as a pragmatic person. Like, he's very kind of blunt to me. Okay. This is a pie chart of the entire world's population, about 8 billion people. 8 billion people. The yellow portion of this pie chart are the number of people who claim to believe in Jesus Christ. Right? About 25% of the world say that they are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, that includes Catholics. And I mean, so you're, you're talking about 2 billion people say, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. Only about 599 million people are evangelical Christians, meaning they believe it's imperative that we share the gospel. That means we become a little bit more important than we actually thought we were when it comes to this, the Great Commission. The rest of this pie chart represents all the people in the world who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Now, half of that empty space live in countries in which the gospel doesn't even exist. Not even exist. It's not legally allowed to even be there, right? Half of that empty space. Now, this little black squiggly line right here, that represents if we were effective in America at evangelizing the rest of our country, that's how big the kingdom of God would grow. If I got everybody in America saved... This one line right here, that represents if you were effective in Australia and you got everybody in Australia saved, that's how much bigger the kingdom of God would grow. So how in the world is Jesus going to reach the rest of this chart? 
without missions. It's not possible. It's just simply not possible. Missions is the mission. Like, how are we expecting him? And I'm going to read Romans 10, verses 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? But how are they to preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, when we were here a few years ago, there was a missionary that was sharing. And I remember listening to the testimony that she was sharing. She's in uh, Liberia, and they were going out to the remote parts of Liberia to visit one of their pastors who was planning a church. And she was talking about how he had been discouraged and had been difficult. And so they went looking for him. And then when he got to that small village, he wasn't at his home. Nobody had seen him in a while, and they began to get frantic, and so they were looking, and they were looking, and they were looking, until finally somebody said, hey, I think I've seen him up in the, the uh, jungle. And so they went looking for him in the jungle, and they found him, and he was building himself a home out of sticks and bushes and, and leaves. And they said, what are you doing? And he said to them, listen, I'm just coming. I'm going to live up here the rest of my life. I'm giving up. He was so discouraged. She said, why are, you, why are you discouraged? And he said, because I'm down there telling them that I live, I, I serve a God who will provide. I serve a God who will sustain. I serve a God. I can't pay my bills. I can't feed my children. I can't pay my debts, right? And I remember listening to this testimony. And as I was listening to this testimony, I got a little bit frustrated. I was like, God, this guy is pastoring a church in Liberia. Why aren't you supporting him? And God was like, how would you like me to support him? And, I, and this is literally, the Lord is brutal with me sometimes. And he said, I was thinking, I was like, well, God, find somebody with something so they can give him something. And God was like, I'm trying. And I was just floored. I thought, man, too much is given. Too much is given. Right? It's like we're always expecting God to do the work, but he's trying to do the work. It's us. It's us. He calls us to do the work. Right? Somebody with something can give something. And that's how we're going to reach that part of the pie chart that has never heard about the gospel. There's still 1,700 languages in the world that, are, that have no scripture in their language. 1,700 languages in the world. That's mind-blowing. Three point. People in America are obsessed with the end times. And I, I always, when I talk to them, I always tell them, Jesus is not coming back soon. They're like, what do you mean he's not coming back? Jesus loves the unsaved. There are six billion people condemned to hell. If I was still one of them, I would beg God to tarry. I would beg him, wait, wait, wait. His love is so profound. We, we, we saturate our lives in it. it. It keeps us, it sustains us. And there is more than 75% of the world living without it. His love for them is as powerful and as purposed as it is for us. And I, I want to finish simply by sharing a brief encouragement testimony. So our church, so when we, we, we became a missions giving church, I went home and told people who had already been giving 
to sustain the ministry that we have. And at the time, we were 180, I think, people in our church, uh, probably the vast majority of which were under the age of 21 um, because of, obviously, what we did with the skate park and all the other things. And, um, and so we went back, and I said, this is what God's calling me. I think this is what we're supposed to do. Reagan and I prayed about it, and then our like partners uh, in ministry, Uche and Sosa, and, um, and we went at it. And we merged with a church plant that was in Phoenix, Arizona, with an Australian pastor. Now, almost immediately after the merge, the church went down to 100 people, right? But for the first time in our existence, we had given like $25,000 to missions. We were super excited about it. We are like, awesome. The very next year, the Australian pastor who was overseeing it moved back to Australia, and the church got smaller, Right? But the, that year, we went up to $40,000 in missions, right? And then in 2019, we were really excited. We're like, man, we're going to do about $60,000 in missions. And then COVID hit. And we went from literally meeting together. You know, now in Arizona, to be fair, we, we, the lockdown lasted about six months. But COVID hit, and people quit coming to church. And we went from $60,000 to $80,000 in missions, and as we walked through COVID, it just continued to increase, right? And last year, we gave $165,000 in missions, which is about $250,000 Australian dollars. Now, our church is just a little bit bigger than this. It is, because we, we talk about this stuff. It's not, it's not something everybody loves. And you know what? It's, it's half, half teenagers, <laughs> right? But the commitment is there. Now, I want to just say, the craziest part about this story is, is that in all of this, putting the kingdom of God first rather than this ministry that we had, we sold the building that we were in because we had to. We had a 25,000 square foot building. We sold it. We owned, we owed $1.5 million on it. We sold it for $4 million. We bought five acres of land and we're now building our own building on that land and we have never asked our church to give towards their building. We only asked them to give towards the building around the world. And he continued to radically. Our staff has grown. Our, I mean, it's just been one radical thing after another. And it's always encouraged us to know, how do you know God believes in missions? Sometimes you don't until you believe in missions. Simon. Well, thanks for that, Dan. And also, Reagan, for being with us on Sunday. It was a blessing and an encouragement to have you visit us all the way from the other side of the world. But hey, what a challenging reminder. Come on, let's reach the world. And you know what? I wish it would happen all in a swift moment, but in truth, it happens little by little. It happens little by little. It happens by person by person committing themselves to the mission of Christ. And we do that not with just dreams and, and pictures on a, on a wall. No, we do that with action. We do that by giving of ourselves, giving of our time, giving of our money for the cause of Christ. Amen? Amen. So I encourage you, check out our missions page. Check out our My Mission page. Make your missions faith commitment this year. And let's bring Jesus to everyone everywhere in 2024. Have a great week.